Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Because I don't know if you realise, but an absolute faith statement has just been declared in this room today. And for all of you who are online, I believe that God is the God who transcends all understanding, transcends screens also. So right where you are and right where you are in this room today, let me just say, faith, rise up and may your heart believe it. Because God wants to speak into your situation today. And He wants you to go away from here knowing something has changed, though I can't see it, though I don't perceive it, faith has risen, my heart has believed, and very soon my eyes will see. So let me just pray in this place. Heavenly Father, I thank You, God Almighty, maker and creator of heaven and earth, that You are concerned with us, the very detail of our lives. Oh God, I pray today that You will have Your way in the lives of everyone who is tuned in, who is in the room, who is committed to to working through what Your Word teaches us today. Let us have ears that hear, internal ears. Let us us have eyes on the inside that see what our eyes on the outside don't yet see. May we know that there is a God most powerful. His Name is Jesus. And when we lift high the Name of Jesus, anything and everything is subject to change. We give You all the glory and all the honour and all the praise You deserve today. In your glorious name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Well, church, it's great to be with you today. And um, what a great start to the morning. I mean, what a great start. I just, you know, somebody messaged me today and said, seven days is too long till we get around to church again. I agree. But we're in this middle of this series that we've called Mask Off. And um, today I want to talk to you around the subject of identity. If you like titles for messages, then I have called this, you might not be who you think you might be. You might not be who you think you might be. We established last week that if you don't know who you really are, then you are subject to others telling you who they think you should be. According to your circumstances, people will make an assumption of who they think you are. And if you're not sure of who you are, you will default into living how they tell you. You know, there is a version of you that was predestined before the foundations of the earth. God thought about you in heaven and He designed you with a purpose for your life. There is a version of you that has heaven's seal of approval on it. But there is also another version of you that the world has come up with based on your circumstances. And they are calling you something different to what heaven is calling you. 
The poet E.E. Cummings wrote these words, the greatest battle that we face as human beings is the battle to protect our true selves from the self the world wants us to become. You know, when you purchase an item from the store, you don't purchase it, then go home and try and figure out what it is and what you would use it for. When you go to purchase an item, you are intentional. And that item is already named and it comes with a manual or a leaflet telling you what its purpose is. You wouldn't go and buy a fridge and bring it home and think, hmm, this would make a great bed. If we lay it on the side and open the door, we could get in and this would make a great bed. That is not the purpose it was designed for. When Mr. Hotpoint or Mr. Neff set out and drew up their designs, a bed was not what they had in mind for the fridge. You can't purchase something and then make it fit your choosing of what you're to fit the need that you have. That item already has a purpose. And although that sounds ridiculous, that's how odd our lives look to God when we are trying to walk out in a purpose that we were never designed for. God looks on us and he's like, mm, I didn't create you to sleep around. That, that, that's not the plan I had for you when I designed you. I didn't create you for alcohol and substance abuse. That, that's like, that's not the purpose I had in mind for you. Angry was not in my mind when I designed you and created you. Jealousy and gossip, it's not what I had in my mind. And when I look at you and you're operating in that way, you look as odd as climbing into a fridge to go to sleep. God says, I, I didn't have that in mind for you. And you may never have been told this before, but from the day you were born, there has been a constant fight over your identity. The world we live in hands out masks like the child catcher hands out lollipops of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And when you take these masks, they are lies that entice you in. And once you wear them and start believing them, then you are trapped. You're trapped into disguising a part of yourself that you don't want to be seen. But the only time that you would disguise a part of you that you don't want to be seen is because you dislike it or you're embarrassed about it or you're ashamed of that part of yourself. So you feel you've got to wear a mask. But every time you put a mask on, it's like you're saying to God, you did not do a good enough job when you created me. Like, you really, you know, you really messed up there a little bit, God. Like, I know you had a plan and a purpose for what you created me for, but I think you made a couple of mistakes. Therefore, I'm going to help you out a little bit, God, because I'm going to put on a mask to compensate for your lack of integrity when you made me. And so we put on a facade. Anytime I'm studying to prepare a message, um, I always find at my desk, I've got my Bible on one side of me and I've always got Google open on the other because, you know, it's going to be one or the other what you're looking for. And Google will always tell you what the world says and what people's opinions are. And the Bible will always tell me what God says and what his mindset is towards us. But I found on this particular subject, 
Google and the Bible agreed. For even Google said, there are very few authentic people walking around. Like we wear masks and we wear facades and authenticity isn't really about on our planet like it used to be. And I asked Google, what are some of the common masks that we as people wear? And the list was so great, but here's just a few. The mask of all togetherness. It lets you believe that you don't need help with anything, for you have the answer to everything, which makes you a little bit relationally defunct because no one can speak into your life. And so underneath this mask, these people have huge trust issues because they like to be in control and they like to let everyone else believe that they know everything, they have everything, they have their life all together. There's another one called the mask of the overachiever. These people unconsciously pursue perfectionism. If everything is done right in their world, then they can't be criticised. If everything is done right in their world, then they can hold their world together and it will not fall apart. But underneath this mask, they live in a constant state of anxiety for always fearing that something might go wrong. Then there is the mask of the humorist. Now, humour is brilliant, right? But some people wear humour as a mask and it's a a mechanism that they have developed to stop people from getting to know the real them. But underneath the mask of the humorist, they've actually lost who they really are. Then there's the mask of the people pleaser. These people will go to desperate lengths to win the approval of other people because their sense of identity is based in what others believe about them. It's based on other people's assessment of them. But in the words of Lecrae, the uh, hip-hop artist, if you live for people's affection, you know, if you're not going to get it out of the Bible, you get it somewhere else. So Lecrae says, if you live for people's affection, you will die from their rejection. The mask of the social butterfly. These people, party people, you see them, like their Instagrams popping and you're like, wow, they just got so many friends and there's so many people. They're here, there and everywhere all in one day. Um, but you know, they have lots of small talk, but very real, meaningful conversations. Underneath this mask, these people have a lot of acquaintances, but very few real friends. And then there's the mask of the control freak. And the control freak uses order and power to achieve a sense of security, making sure that everything is in its proper place at a proper time. But underneath this mask is a person who lives on the edge. Underneath this mask is a bit of an angry, aggressive person because they are angry towards anyone who deviates from their plan. These are habitual masks. These are just some of the things that were listed You know, these are habitual masks that we all wear to please other people, to feel we need to be accepted by other people. But do you know it is actually exhausting putting masks on? Because you put a mask on here and a mask on there. Then when you're over here, you've got to take that one off and you've got to put this one on. And you've got to try and remember who you are, to what person, where and when, and how do I behave in that environment? And how do I behave in that environment? And what's my language like around these people? And what's my language around these people? And how do I behave over there? And how do I behave over here? It's actually exhausting living an inauthentic life. And the worst of it is you totally lose who you are. We have all allowed ourselves to believe that any kind of a weakness in our life 
is a flaw, is a failure. So we have become this culture, these people that mask any area of weakness because we don't want to show people that there's a deficit in our life, that there is a flaw. But if only we understood what God meant in His Word when He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made known in your weakness. You know what God's saying there? I know you're flawed. I know you'll fail. I know how incomplete you are, but I've got your back. I've got you covered. You see, if you keep masking your flaws and you keep masking your areas of failure, then there is no place for my power to be made known great in your life. It's only when you reveal I'm not so great in this area. It's only when we can admit who we really are that the power and the presence of God can actually manifest in your life. If we didn't have a weaknesses, then His grace would never be known. And you know what that's like? It's like walking around with a fake ID. It's like you're walking around with a fake ID saying, I am someone, but actually I'm not. You know, several years ago when Isaac, my middle son, left high school, he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. And so we encouraged him to go to college And I fully have his permission to tell this story. But we encouraged him to go to college and find a course that he may enjoy while he's still trying to figure himself out. And so he went to college and he started this course, but one of the modules he had to do was art. Now, my passion when I was younger was art. I'm an arty person. None of my kids have got my passion for art. But he was like, you know what, I'm doing good, I'm fine. And he had to create this art portfolio. And then it was going in at the end of term to be assessed and marked towards an exam. And when he showed me this art portfolio, I was horrified. I realised that my son at 19 was still drawing stick men with round heads. And I was like, oh my goodness, He had to do a collage by cutting pictures out of a magazine. I'm convinced he used the bread knife. I'm like, there was not a straight edge. I don't think he could still colour in between lines now. I was like, we can't hand this in. I I need to help you. And so I was like, give me the portfolio. And I began to amend things and alter things. And then I was taking pages out. And I actually pulled the thing so much apart that I had to buy him a new art book and redo the whole thing. Now he passed the exam. But then it dawned on me, you could never get a job based on this. You couldn't go anywhere and show them this qualification because though you have the qualification, that is not who you are. You can't actually do that. It's not your reality. It is fake and this is what happens to us. So if we want to know who we really are, we have to go back to the manual that was written about us because you do know, right, that the Bible is the manual to mankind. If you want the best out your car, you refer to, to the manual to find, you know, how the thing fully functions. Well, the Bible is the manual to mankind. And so if you want to know who you really are and how you best operate, you need to refer back to the Creator's manual. manual. Because if you go around 
thinking you're someone that you are not, one day you're going to be busted. One day you're going to fall short. So I want to take you to the Creator's Manual and hopefully today we'll discover something about yourself that maybe you did not know before. Like what's your real name? And I'm not talking about Bob and Jane and Tim. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, Jane and Tim, that just <laughs> rolled out my mouth. But that's not what I'm talking about. They're your birth names. But you know you were called something in heaven before you were brought onto the earth. And you have a birth name, but you've also allowed yourself to be called by other names that you have allowed other people to put on you. Names like unqualified, names like unworthy or unattractive, names like foolish or stupid. We've allowed other people to put these names on us, but then there are names that we also call ourselves. I'm boring, I'm average, I'm ugly. And we call these things, we say I'm nothing special. And for as long as we believe the names that other people have put on us and we believe the names that we've called ourselves, you will never know who you really are and you will never reach your full potential. So you have to change the name that you've allowed yourself to believe that you are because when God made you, He had a few things to say about you. He said, you are blessed, you are talented, you are unique, you are a masterpiece, you are one of a kind. And that's how God sees you. He made you complete. Let me tell you what the Bible says about God. The Bible says that He's an upmost God. And I don't believe for one minute that an upmost God could have an almost child. He's complete and He's made you complete. But if your thoughts think otherwise and your thoughts tell you you're a failure, you're a flaw, you are rejected, then you are only ever going to believe what your thoughts tell you because your mind, your life goes where your mind is at. Your life follows where your mind is. You know, another thing that I came across on good old Google was... Um, a guy called Norman Vincent Peale who'd written um, a book and he'd written some accounts and stories about his time out in Hong Kong. And uh, he said he was walking down the street in Hong Kong and he walked past a, um, a tattoo studio and um, some of the samples of tattoos were in the window. And he said he was shocked when he saw this tattoo that said, born to lose. And he asked the tattoo artist, does anybody actually have a saying like that tattooed onto their flesh? And the Chinese tattoo artist, he just tapped his mind. He said, before tattooed on body, tattoo in mind. He's exactly right. Because however you think about yourself in here, some way or another will always show up out here. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks within himself, so he becomes. How you think about yourself is how you will go about your very life. You know, last week we looked at a man called Gideon who thought he was a coward, who believed he was fearful. And we saw how God had to step into the equation of his life and remind him that's not who you are. Your heavenly name was Mighty Hero. Now rise up and start living out your destiny. There's another story in Genesis 35. It's about a guy called Jacob and his wife, Rachel. And Rachel, she dies giving birth to their second son. 
And this is thousands of years ago before the medical treatments that we had. In fact, she's given birth in a tent. And uh, she has a traumatic and painful birth. But before she died, she named the son. And she said, his name is Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow, son of my pain. Though the child had done nothing wrong, simply because of the circumstances around his birth, he'd now been called pain. He'd now been called sorrow. Someone named him according to the circumstances that surround him. And in those days, let me tell you, the naming of a child was very significant. It was a prophetic statement, which simply means they didn't wait to see what you become. They didn't call you names out of cuteness. They called you names according to what they believed you would do with your life. So a name was very important. So literally, what you were called is what you became. So Benoni was now destined to live a miserable life. He was destined probably to live a lonely life. He was a depressing life. Someone who should have loved him someone he should have been able to rely on, someone who should have been speaking words of affirmation over him, called him something that he wasn't. And sometimes the people who should have been encouraging you in life haven't. Sometimes the parents failed you, your spouse who walked out on you, the school teacher who didn't have time for you, have said things about you and over you, people that you have looked to for affirmation and for love and respect, people who should have been encouraging you in life and they had not, people who should have been saying you're courageous, you're brave, you're talented, you can do anything with your life. Instead, they have been causing you pain. They have been speaking out over you. And you know what? People don't have to use words to speak over you. Sometimes it's just the way they make you feel. Like they never show you any love or affirmation, like they're always putting you down at every possible moment. And uh, I I, want to remind you today of something that we touched on last week, and that is God's words override anything that anyone has ever said about you. Oh yeah, Isaiah 43, this is God speaking over his children, the nation of Israel. He says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If you didn't know whose you were, I'm telling you now, you belong to Him. God calls you a son of blessing. God calls you a daughter of righteousness. God calls you a child of a royal bloodline. And we need to remind ourselves, so you have a choice how your life shapes up. You have a choice of what you listen to. You have a choice, am I going to listen to what other people have said about me and fashion and form my life according to them? Or am I going to listen to what God says about me and fashion and form my life according to his pattern because remember what you believe in here will show up out here but you get to choose and so shortly after Rachel died Jacob comes into the tent and the midwife hands him the baby and says Rachel's named the child Ben-Oni Ben-Oni <laughs> and Jacob says oh no 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 that will not be his name. 
And Jacob renamed him Benjamin, which means son of my strength. And do you know that Benjamin went on to be a great strong leader and many of the kings of Israel came from his bloodline. But if he had remained Benoni, I doubt he would have amounted to much. No one would want to marry into a bloodline of son of sorrow, son of pain. He would have probably remained unemployable because nobody would want to employ somebody with a character reference like that. And maybe you are here today and all your life you've been called average or ordinary or less than or not good enough. And God wants to remind you that in the same way that Jacob renamed his son, God Almighty renames you. He calls you victorious. He calls you an achiever. He calls you an overcomer. And he said, you need to take on board the name that I'm giving you because here's something really significant. You know, actually in those days, it wasn't the woman's place to name the child. It was always the father's place, always. And uh, the mother could call the child something, but the child, his legal name was only what the father called him. Your father's got something to say about you today. Your father's got a word over your life. Your father doesn't see you as everybody else sees you. The word of God tells us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. The enemy, the devil, Satan, however you want to describe him, he's, he's as real as God is. But the first word, these are the words that God uses to describe him, is that he's a thief and he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I want to tell you today that he's not just a thief after taking anything. He's a thief after taking something very specific from you. Everything the enemy does is directly related to your identity everything. He will put mask after mask on you, name after name over you, because he understands if you've got a full revelation of who God had called you, he knows you're unstoppable. He knows you can shake nations. He names your, He knows your situation will change like that. He does not want you to have a revelation of the person that God called you to be because he's running scared. But hey, listen, you know, we, 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 when we live by the right name, we access the Father's blessings. When you live by the right name, you access the Father's blessings. You know, but when we pray to God and, you know, we are hiding behind an identity that's not really us, it's like we've got that fake, that fake uh, name. We're hiding behind that mask. But... When you hide behind a mask, it's like having the wrong um, password to your bank account. Like, you know the money's there, right? But, but if you're anything like me when it comes to passwords, I have to ring every member of my family and ask them, what is my password? And, um, and so it's like, you know the money's there, but you can't access it because you've got the wrong digits that you keep putting in. And when you come to God and your prayers are all, woe is me, woe is me. Oh, I'm just such a victim. Everything's going horribly wrong. Oh, God. It's like 
You know the blessings are there. You're just not accessing them because you're not punching in the right digits because you're not coming under the right name. And actually, God doesn't bless you because He feels sorry for you. God blesses you when you remind you of who you really are. When you start saying, I'm coming to you, my Father God. I'm standing here as a daughter of the King. I'm standing here as the highly favoured one. I'm believing I'm from your royal bloodline and I need access to your blessing in my life today. You know, that's when access is granted. Psalm 91, just, you know me, it's my favourite psalm. It's actually written by Moses or so Bible scholars believe. But the whole of Psalm 91 from verse 1 to verse 13 is all about Moses coming before God and reminding himself who he is in God. He says things like, God, you are my refuge. You're my safe place, God. You're the place I come to and hide. You're the, it's your wings that I climb underneath, God. He starts by saying, I'm not afraid when I stand in your presence, God. I can stand on a cobra and a lion, God. I can see a thousand fall at one side and 10,000 at the other, but it will not come near to me because I know who I am in my God. That's what the whole Psalm is about. And God responds at the end because Moses just accessed the blessing And so when you remind yourself who you are, this is what God says back because you know prayer is a two-way thing, right? And every time you pray, God has something He wants to say back to you. In verse 14, God speaks, because you've loved me and delighted in me and have been loyal to my name, here's the blessing. I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. You will feel my presence when you are in trouble. I will deliver you. I will bring honour to you. I will satisfy you. And with a full life, I will give you and you will enjoy and know the fullness of my salvation. Wow. Blessings accepted. If you don't remember anything from today's message, I want you to remember this line. You are not what people call you, but you are what you answer to. If you don't like what you're being called, you need to stop answering it to it. Many years ago, probably going back, I don't know, five, ten years, my husband... I do wish we had a camera on his face while I told his story. My husband decided to rename me Barbara. (laughs) You just need to turn around and face the people while I'm telling the story. My now husband decided to rename me Barbara. At first, it was a bit of a joke. And can I just say, if your name is Barbara here today, there is nothing wrong with the name Barbara, okay? But this went on, and months turned into 12 months. And every time he referred to me, he called me Barbara. Not in a very, you know, I know we have creative names, cutie names for each other in couples. It wasn't like that. Who knows Jim Royal off the royal family was married to Barbara? It was like that. So every time he referred to me as Barbara, he referred to me like Jim Royal would. And uh, it really began to wind me up. Like, I hated it. And I would say to him all the time, stop calling me Barbara. Ah, Barb, you love it. And I'm like, I do not love it. I hate it. 
But here's the thing. Every time he'd shout, Barbie wanted a cup of tea, Barb would make him a cup of tea. Every time he wanted anything, Barb would do it. And it really wound me up. And then one day, I saw his phone. And my face was next to the name Barbara in his phone. He even changed my ring. He changed my name. And then when our youngest son referred to me as Barbara, that was just it. I was done. And I really put my foot down and I said, from now on, I am not responding to another Barbara message from you. And uh, he sort of pushed the boundaries for a little bit, but I just put my feet down and I just point blank refused. (laughs) I want to tell you that because I want to say, you know when somebody misrepresents you? You know when somebody says something about you that's just not true? You know when somebody, you know, says something against your character? You know when somebody has a gossip about you? Every time you feel ruffled, every time feelings of anger and jealousy and rage and or disappointment come upon you, those feelings are trying to claim you and rename you. And if you rise to those feelings, you've just allowed yourself to be named something that you are not. So you need to put your foot down because angry is not who you are. Fearful is not who you are. Shameful is not what your name is. So stop responding to something that you are not called. All throughout the Bible, we see that God intervened in people's lives and changed their names. He changed their physical names in the Bible because do you remember how we said that the the names over their lives is like a prophetic statement? But it is a mirror image of us today, how God wants to change your name. When, When we talk about changing your name, he wants to change how you see yourself. And um, he was reminding people, actually, that's not who you are. This is who you are. We could look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, a story that we know so well. But Abraham was 99 years old. um, And he and his wife had had a long life dream of becoming parents. and, And it was just not happening. But he was 99 years old when God paid him a visit and said, I'm gonna bless you with a child. The Lord appeared to him and reminded Reminded him that I see, I the Lord see what the eye cannot see. And Abraham, I know that I put seeds of descendants in you, that I put into you before I created you, countless descendants. In Genesis 17, verse 4. This is my covenant with you. This is God speaking to Abram. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations, and what's more. I'm changing your name. You will no longer be Abram, but from now on you will be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. God said, I'm gonna change, you were Abram. Now you're gonna be called Abraham. But guess what? When his name changed, he had no children. But every time his phone rang, he saw Abraham come up. Every time an email come in, Abraham come up. Every time he had a conversation, he was hearing people calling him father of a multitude, father of a multitude, father of a multitude. But do you know how embarrassing it must have been? Oh, father of a multitude, where's your kids? Mm, Haven't got any. That's awkward. Can I tell you that when you begin to rise and stand as the person God has called you to be, that transition is awkward. It's not easy being authentically you. It's actually pretty awkward. Oh, what, you go to church? Have you ever had that say to you? 
well, how can we behave like that if you go to church? They're pushing the boundaries. They're trying to rename your name. You have to stand your ground. I know who God has called me. I might not be behaving like that right now. I might not see that in my life right now, but I know who God has called me. And do you know that Abraham and Sarah had a son and from that one son, a whole nation was born, a whole nation. And not only that, but God changed her name as well. Because her name was Sarai. And Sarai was a hundred years old when, when she got the word that she was going to conceive a son. And God said, I'm going to rename you and you're going to be called Sarah. Because Sarah, my friend, means princess. Princess. Hold on. She's a hundred years old. Menopause has been a long gone. Like hair is thinning Teeth, if there are any, would be broken a lot more like a camel. Everything was once in places well and truly south. Like if anyone didn't feel like a princess, Sarah didn't feel like a princess. But you know what I think? I think God was saying to her, I need you to feel good about you, honey. I need you to feel good about you because when you feel good about yourself, it energises you. And I tell you what, it's tough enough running after a toddler in your 20s, let alone in your hundreds. So you are going to need to feel good about yourself. You're going to need to have some energy and some passion. So I want you to remind yourself every time you open your mouth and speak, you are a princess because that's how I see you. Just as I draw this whole message to a close, what, what about Saul? You know, Saul was the guy in the New Testament. He persecuted Christians. He, he hated Christians. He was a zealot. He was a religious leader, began to be, belonged to a religious sect. But he, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so he passionately hated those who followed the ways of Jesus. He was involved in stoning Christians to death. He was involved in torturing and terrorising the Christians. But one day, on the road to Damascus, Jesus, in a vision, met with him. So bright that it knocked him off his horse and it actually blinded Saul. But over the next few days, a revelation took place of who Jesus was and who he was. And this is what God said to him. You're no longer going to go by the name Saul because he was known as an anarchist. But now I'm going to rename you Paul and you're going to be the world's greatest evangelist. And Paul went on to write three quarters of the New Testament. If it wasn't for Paul, we wouldn't have established the church. He's taught us how to do and how to rebuild church. Can you imagine what it was like for Paul going back into the very city where he had terrorised the Christians and explaining how he's been renamed and now walking out in a new identity. It's not easy. God's not going to lift you out of your circumstance and out of the people, but he will change you from the inside out and equip you to go and live your authentic life in the workplace and in your family life. Paul went on and he wrote um, several books of the Bible, including 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians 5 says this, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. 
Church, it's time to take the mask off. It's time to stop faking your identity because God made you as his masterpiece. He made you and he looks at you. He doesn't see the faults and the flaws and the blemishes. You know, you just got lost in your journey somewhere. But we have to believe who we are in him. He says, child, you are mine. And you know, I can't wait for next week in church because we're going to witness a whole group of people taking off their mask, coming to the waters of baptism and saying, here I am, God, just me. Here I am, wholly available. Here I am, God, in all my mess, my flaws, my failures. I'm ready for a new beginning. Mask completely off. And I don't know where life finds you. I don't know what your story is, but I do know this, that if that's you here today, there's going to be an opportunity for you also to join in baptism next week. Maybe you've been saved. Maybe you've just got lost along the way, but this is something that you've never done with your life. Or maybe you're in here today and you've never made that connection between you and God and and, and what baptism actually is. It's just a public declaration of an inward decision. It's a public declaration that just says, look, I'm just, I'm not pretending to be perfect, but I am following Christ with my life. I'm gonna pray in just a few moments. And if that is you, and you wanna make a commitment to following Christ and live out your authentic life, then we can do that. But first of all, I just want you to cast your eyes on the screens for a few moments. Let me tell you what following Jesus is really about. The scriptures teach us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is what following Jesus is all about. It's knowing that at your most unlovable moment, that you were loved by God in the way that a father would love his child, like you couldn't stop him loving you even if you tried. This is what following Jesus is all about. It's an understanding that when you were at your worst, your heavenly father could not and would not hold it against you because he wants a real and authentic relationship with you. This is what following Jesus is all about. It's whilst you were still living for you, pursuing your own dreams, your own goals, your own desires, that the life of Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of the one and only God of heaven and earth was given for you. This is what following Jesus is all about. And when you realize what following Jesus is all about, our response comes from his request. In fact, the only request that Jesus has made of you, that we would believe and be baptized. Guys, we've just been through a national pandemic. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. Let's be real. We've waited nearly two years to do a baptismal. 
That's a big weight. You know, when I read the scripture, the scripture says, believe and be baptized. Don't believe and wait a week. Don't have to wait a month. Don't have to know your Bible. Don't have to wait three years. Believe and be baptized. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just make the decision. Because God says, when you do something publicly before men on earth, Jesus stands before the Father in heaven and acknowledges your name. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.